your techno device, whatever you have, following along. You've got the verses on the screen. But we're going to continue what we were talking about last week, what we started with last week in boundaries. Let me pray real quick, and then we'll get into the word. Father, we thank you for this night. We thank you that we give you all of our attention this evening. Father, we cast our cares, cast off our week, cast off our day, cast off things that are coming up. The rest of this week, Father, we give it all to you, and we give you our attention, give you our focus right now. This is the most important thing we'll do all week long, is get in your word. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are speaking through me tonight, that these aren't the words of man, but they are the words of God. We'll receive them as such, and I thank you that we will be filled. We will walk away from here uh, with knowledge that will empower us, equip us for the rest of our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Go with me to uh, Exodus, and, and while you're turning there, Exodus chapter 19, just want to recap real quick what we talked about last week. We began this series called Boundaries, and we opened up at the very beginning of the book, very beginning of the world, of creation, and we see that obviously it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and then verse 2 it says that the earth was without form and void. It was empty, it was fruitless, it was unproductive, there was nothing to it, it was a bunch of chaos. And the first thing that God started to do right there in verse 2 is he began to set boundaries. And what boundaries do is they create a structure and they create an environment where now something can be productive and something can grow and be fruitful and, and, and be purposeful. Um, so we saw last week that without boundaries, you have chaos. The lack of boundaries automatically creates chaos. If you take the boundaries out of any sport, you have chaos. It doesn't matter if it's baseball, basketball, football. If you take away rules, if you're allowed to hit anybody wherever you want to hit them, if you're allowed to run the bases however you want to hit, if there's no foul territory, if there's no out-of-bounds in basketball, if there's no rules or structure to the sport, it will be unproductive, it will be unfruitful, it will not serve its purpose. Uh, if you take the rules or boundaries out of any job environment and you're allowed to do whatever you want, say whatever you want, come in whenever you want, leave whenever you want, go on lunch whenever you want, work whenever you want, get paid whenever you want, it's not going to be very fruitful. So you see that these boundaries and these structures, which a lot of times just by nature we fight and oppose, they actually create a, a, a structure and a boundary for us, an environment that causes us to be fruitful. And without that, we have complete chaos. Okay, Drive down the road with no boundaries and no rules on what side of the road to be on and how fast you want to go. And you can go 60 in a residential area and you can go... 25 on the highway, and you're going to have chaos. It's going to be a mess. But no, we have set structure and rules for those different environments. Uh, then we saw that the, the rules, the boundaries, the, the form, it causes us to be fruitful as long as we remain within that boundary. And so we saw that the light was created for the day, darkness was created for the night, the fish were created for the ocean. The sky was created for the birds. And we saw that as, as long as they stayed within their boundary, they were purposeful in their assignment. But if they got out of that, when you get outside of your boundary, 
You're no longer purposeful. You're no longer fruitful in that area. You're no longer able to be productive in that environment. You're in the wrong environment. And so God went through all of creation, creating and setting boundaries with every plant, every tree, ocean, water, fish, every creature. And then he gets to man. He creates man and he gives him a purpose and a design. He says, you will be on this earth. You will uh, rule and have control and have dominion over all the earth, over everything on the earth, every fish in the ocean, every bird in the sky. I'm setting you on the earth to make sure they stay within the boundary. That was man's purpose, is to make sure that everything went according to God's order, that it didn't get outside of its purpose, outside of its environment he created it for. Then he places man within an environment, the garden, and then by his word gives him a boundary. You can eat of all the trees in the garden except one. One tree. And that's it. Now many of us today, you know, we think that's easy. There's a million trees in this garden. It wasn't like there's two trees you can eat of this one, you can't eat of that one. No, it was you can eat of any of them except for this one. And so right away we see that man is placed within an environment and given a boundary to remain in. And we said this, as long as you remain within the boundary, you have access to the blessing. You have access to the blessing. What was the blessing for Adam and Eve? The blessing was they were taken care of. The blessing was that if they follow God's order, God's command, do as he says, they're going to be taken care of. They have everything they need to eat, everything they need to drink. They have a place to live. Everything is working for them. The earth is working for them. The animals are working for them. The crops are working for them. They're just there to maintain it, make sure it stays in the order. He said that the earth would bring forth the seed that would then create the the herbs and the trees and the plants. So you make sure that that process of creation takes place, that that seed becomes harvested and it becomes a crop, becomes a plant, and therefore becomes productive, becomes fruitful in its assignment. But then the enemy shows up. Genesis chapter 3, the enemy shows up as a snake. And that snake got outside of his boundary got outside of the order that God created for. What was the order? That man was to rule over everything that creeps on the earth. Well, does a snake creep on the earth? Absolutely. It is a part of the earth. It is under man's dominion and control. But now a snake is trying to tell Eve what to do with the tree that they're not supposed to eat of. And what was that tree? That tree was the boundary that God created for man. The boundary. Remain within this boundary You're blessed. Everything you need is taken care of. If you remain within the boundary of my word, do not eat of this tree. And so the snake, the enemy, the devil, he's still doing the same trick to this day. He is still taking man to the boundary. To do what? Push the boundary. Test the boundary. And now it's a part of our nature that as soon as we're told not to do something or that we can't go somewhere That's exactly what we want, right? There's little kids, this shows up, 
that if you tell them not to do it, that's what they want to do it. That's what they want to do. If you tell them, don't go there, that's where they want to go. That's our nature. And so God says, don't eat of this tree. The snake shows up and says, what will happen if you eat of the tree? What will happen if you test the boundary? And so Eve did what? She mistook a natural object for God's boundary. And that's what the enemy does with us all the time, is he gets us focused on the natural object. Why is that bad? Because that tree, on the outside, in the natural, physical presence, looks just like all the other trees. So here's what the devil does. How come he can't eat of that tree? It looks just like that one. How come, how come you can't be with that woman? She just likes, She looks just like your wife. How come you can't drink that? It looks just like that. He pushes the boundaries because he wants you to focus on the natural object when the natural object wasn't the point. The fruit and the tree were not the boundary. It was the knowledge that came with it. It was the effect that that tree would produce in their lives. And so they're looking for a physical reaction. God said we would die. Well, did Eve die instantly when she ate the fruit? Did she physically pass down, die, and go into the ground? No. She didn't breathe her last breath. In fact, she went on living just like normal. So since I am looking for a natural physical reaction based upon this natural physical object, and that doesn't take place, we must be okay. So she feeds it to her husband, Adam. And since he's now focused on the natural object, he has mistaken the, he's mistaken the physical object for God's real boundary. He pushes the boundary as well. And instantly they realize they're naked. They've come into a knowledge of something that they weren't supposed to know because there was nothing wrong with being naked as long as they knew the good side of it. But now they know the evil. Because until they ate of that tree, all they knew was good. That tree brought the knowledge of good and evil. Now we know the evil side of this. Now we know the lust side of this. And so God instantly comes down, says, Adam, where are you? Adam's hiding. But then God goes right back to work. In setting boundaries. Snake, you're going to roam on, the, on the, the rest of your life on the earth on your belly. And I'm going to send someone who's going to crush your head. You're going to bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. And then he sets the, the role of the wife. And then he sets the role of the husband. And for the rest of your days on this earth, because of what you did, I'm setting boundaries. Why? Because if you remain in my boundaries, there's a blessing. And so that's where we went last week. We're taking a look at this boundaries because here's the thing. As believers, we have to become people that, li that live a life with limits. We have to be. Now, those limits, again, we go to, oh, no, I'm limited. There's something I can't do. There's something that I don't have access to. But let me take you back to what I was saying at the beginning. Take away every boundary and rule and structure from any sport 
and you have chaos. Go out onto this road right now and take the boundaries off and let people drive wherever they want and however fast they want and do whatever they want with no turn signals and stopping and going and let me just park my car in the middle of the road and walk across the street to get something to drink. And and, and take away the boundaries and you have chaos. But God knows if you stay within my boundaries, you're blessed. There's a blessing for you. And so we've got to learn to live a life within these boundaries. Because as long as we stay within the boundaries in our lives, then we're blessed. We get to live that blessed life. So here's where I want to take you today. I want to identify what are those boundaries. How do we recognize boundaries in our lives? And what does it look like when we do get out of the boundaries today? We saw what it looked like in Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3. But let's look at it, what it looks like today, how easy it is to stay within the boundary, but also how easy it is to get outside of the boundary. So in Exodus chapter 19, Exodus chapter 19, this is God speaking to the Israelites. He's just brought them out of Egypt. They have been living a life with man-made natural boundaries. They have been enslaved for over 400 years to another nation. They don't know what it's like to do what they want to do, eat what they want to eat, Go to sleep when they want to go to sleep. Wake up when they want to wake up. They don't know what it's like to live your own life and do what you want to do. And God brings them out. He sets them free, brings them out of slavery into the wilderness. And this is what he does right here in Exodus chapter 19. In verse 5, he says, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, And keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. Verse 7 says, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people, laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. Notice here that he's taken a people that were had been freed that had been in bondage, had been in slavery, and now he's freed them. And the first thing he says is, if you obey me and keep my commands, you will be blessed. You will be my special people. True freedom is not doing what you want to do. True freedom lies in doing what God wants you to do. That's where true freedom comes from. We think of freedom of, I have my way, I have my opinion, I do this thing how I want to do it. But that's not freedom. There's a lot of people that look at this country. In fact, part of our, uh, you know, uh, song that we sing is the land of the free, home of the brave. We call ourselves the land of the free, but do we have rules and standards in America? Yeah, do, we can't just live however we want. So even in freedom, even in liberty, There are still rules and boundaries. There's still a structure because true freedom is not doing whatever you want. You're not free doing whatever you want. You are free when you're doing whatever God wants, when you obey his commands. Now, notice how God sets boundaries. God always establishes his boundaries with his word. That's the first point I want to make tonight. God always... Determines his boundaries 
by his word. His boundaries are established by his word. If you ever want to know what God's boundaries are, what his structure is, what his rule system and his format looks like, you go to his word. It creates those boundaries in our lives. In fact, right here in Exodus chapter 19, you go right into the next chapter, and this is where he establishes the Ten Commandments. Here's my word. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not commit adultery. Do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Do not worship any other idols. Do not place any other God before me. Do not covet what your neighbor has. The Ten Commandments. He's giving a bunch of people that have been enslaved for 400 years that think they're in freedom and liberty, and he says, all right, now do what I want. See, true liberty is getting to choose God. True freedom is getting to say, you know what? I am freely making the choice to do whatever God has for my life, to follow him, to take out his word. You know, there's people in other countries that don't have that freedom to break out his word whenever they want, to gather together and hear his word, grow in his word, teach and be taught the word of God. But we have that freedom to make the choice, I'm going to follow Jesus. Now, that's a freedom no one could take from you. It's just some countries will have to pay a price to make that choice. But God always establishes his boundaries by his word. It's the number one thing. It's not a physical boundary. And any time that he points to a physical object, he's saying... There's a spiritual law behind that. Just like with the tree. He wasn't trying to say, don't eat this tree because this fruit will literally kill you. It's poisonous. No. There was a spiritual effect that took place that said, if you eat of this tree, you're disobeying me. You're showing me that you have a way that's greater than mine, so you think. And this is what will happen as a result of that. So the effects of breaking God's boundaries, going outside of God's boundaries, are spiritual, not always natural. Now we know this, that the spiritual does eventually play out in the natural. Adam and Eve did eventually die. And we asked this question before, had they not eaten the the fruit of the tree, where would they be today? Right here. Because death was, natural death was an effect of the spiritual death. Spiritually, we were alive, so spiritually, that was able to coincide with our natural being. And Adam and Eve would have never known a natural death. But now, we're seeing something that took place in the spirit realm, and now it's affecting our natural. But notice, it wasn't immediately. If you get, if you get your eyes off of the spiritual, and you only look at a natural effect, and something a natural result that takes place because of going outside of God's boundaries. That's a dangerous place. There's people that do that. Oh, well, well, nothing happened. Everything's still okay. And we, we don't take into account what took place in the spirit realm, the separation and the death that took place in the spiritual realm that will eventually pay out in the natural. And so we have to keep those two Locked in together. But it's not about the natural. It's about what's happening 
in the spirit realm. So go over to Joshua chapter 1. The first thing we saw was that God's boundaries are established by his words. If you want to identify God's boundaries in your life, then you get in his word. His word is the number one identifier. But now let's go over to Joshua. Because there's a blessing to stay within God's boundaries. And in Joshua chapter 1, verse 6, now the Israelites are being turned over. We know that they didn't, have, they didn't make it to the promised land. They made it there, but they didn't make it in. They wandered around for 40 years uh, on a trip that should have taken them about 11 days, less than two weeks to get into the promised land. And they spent 40 years in the wilderness because of their rebellion because of their uh, defiance to God, their doubt to his word, their unbelief. It kept them out. It kept them out. So now God's turning over the regime from Moses to Joshua. And look at the command that he gives Joshua in chapter 1, verse 6 of Joshua. It says, be strong and of good courage. For this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that, it may, uh, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What's he telling Joshua? He's saying, listen, Joshua, if you want to remain within the blessing that I have promised your forefathers thousands of years ago with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, if you want to walk in that blessing and go into the promised land, here's what you need to do. Stay within my boundary. What's his boundary? His word. He says, don't go to the right hand or to the left. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Get it down in your heart. Don't let, don't let it depart out of your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. Learn the boundaries. Stay within the boundaries. Why? Because staying within God's word is the greatest way to remain within his boundaries. Anytime you find yourself pushing boundaries or getting outside of boundaries or testing boundaries, it's probably because we haven't stayed within his word. Because his word identifies the boundaries. His word makes it clear. Well, no, that's close. We're getting too close there. Oh, wait, that's a boundary. We don't want to cross that. If we go outside of that, then we're going outside of the blessing. We won't have access to the blessing any longer. He's letting him know, look, the reason why this people have remained in the wilderness for the last 40 years is because they tested boundaries, got outside of boundaries, because they didn't stay near my word. If you remain in God's word, you remain within the boundary. That's the greatest way. That's the greatest way. So we have to be a people. If we're going to be a people that live life with limits, then we're going to have to be a people that know the limits, understand the limits, study the limits, stay in the limits, meditate on the limits, 
And again, it's not limits as in, you know, standing at the glass going, I want to go outside and play. It's, man, everything I need is right here. He's provided everything I need. It's right here in this room, right here within the boundary that he's established for me. I don't need what's outside that door. I don't need what's on the other side of that wall. I don't need to access what's on the other side of that boundary. I don't need to go outside that. God knows if I remain within the boundary, stay obedient to his word, study his word and know his word, I'm going to be taken care of. Just the way Adam and Eve were. They naturally got removed from the garden, but they spiritually got removed from God's blessing. That natural removal of you have to be pulled out of this garden, you don't have access to it anymore, was a natural picture of you've lost access to the blessing because you went outside of God's boundary. You went outside of God's word. Had Eve stayed close to God's word, she would have been able to respond to that stake and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the boundary that my king set up. My father, God, he set up this boundary and said, don't eat of that tree. And all I know is I'm not going to eat of it because there's way too many blessings in here for me to enjoy to go eating of that tree. So you can go on down the road. I don't need it. We, look at all these other trees we have. But instead, the enemy got her focused on the boundary and made her forget the blessing. The enemy said, Hey, look at this tree. Why do you think you can't eat of it? Did God really say you can't eat of this tree? He knows that if you eat of it, you'll become just like him, knowing good and evil. He's just trying to keep you from something. Look, God's boundaries are never to keep you from something. They're to keep you in something. God sets up boundaries not to keep you from things, but to keep you in something that he's established and purposed for you. He's got a plan. He's got a destiny. And he's got every resource to come alongside you and make that purpose and plan and destiny come to pass in your life. And the only way it won't come to pass is if you get outside of the boundary because outside of the boundary means outside of the blessing. God isn't trying to keep you from something. He's trying to keep you in something. Also notice that God promises Joshua here, he says that you will make your way prosperous and have success. The greatest success you will ever know in your life is being obedient to God's word. That's the most successful thing you can ever do. If someone asks me, Pastor Mar, how can you be successful today? Be obedient to God's word. Success isn't measured by numbers size of your house, how many cars you have, your career, what's in your bank account, your paycheck, who you're married to, how many kids you have, what your kids are doing. No, success is measured only by obedience to God. True success, God's success. There are many people that are successful in the world's natural system but are unsuccessful, unsuccessful in God's system because they were obedient. They were disobedient. God measures success by obedience to his word. That's true success. He says right there, you will make your way prosperous. You will make your way successful. Just stay in my word. Adhere to my commands. Follow 
what I'm saying. Staying close to God's word is the greatest way to ensure you remain within his boundaries. That's point number two. First Samuel chapter 12. First Samuel chapter 12. Amen. Is this good? It's, it's good to establish boundaries. I want to bring that in a good light because too long we reject boundaries and we're, we're opposed to that. When someone says, hey, don't do this or hey, don't go there. We don't look at the blessing in not doing it. We look at the fun in doing it. And God's saying, hey, even sin looks fun and is fun for a while. But in the end, it pays out in death. That's its paycheck. But he says, man, if you just remain in my word, remain steadfast to my word, you're going to be blessed, you'll be prosperous, you'll be successful. So 1 Samuel chapter 12. I think it was 1 Samuel chapter 12. Let me make sure I have it right. Yes, 1 Samuel chapter 12. This is where the people refused God. Let me, give you, let me get you caught up a little bit. The Israelites, they end up going in the promised land. Joshua takes them in, and they do all right for a little while. They win a few battles. They worship God. They give God the glory. But then we get right after Joshua, we get into a book called Judges. And Judges was a cycle that we all live in on a daily basis where we Think we love God and we're living for God, but then we get wiped away by cares of the world and the things that we're supposed to be changing, they actually change us. And we actually end up living for the world, not living for God. Then we cry out to God because things are defeating us and beating us down. Things aren't going so well. Uh, enemies are coming and they're tearing us apart. And we're saying, God, why? What have we done? We, for, we repent of our sins. Someone comes along and identifies, hey, you're doing this and you shouldn't. The prophets show up. And then God sends a judge, and the judge would be sent. That was Gideon, that was Deborah, that was Samson. God would raise up someone, give them supernatural ability and power to redeem God's people. Then they come out saying, God, we thank you. God, we worship you. God, you're awesome. And then fall right back in the cycle again. And so they went in this cycle, they went in this cycle, and finally God's people said, you know what, F forget this whole judge thing. We want a king. Give us a king like every other nation in the world. And Samuel, the prophet at the time, says, you have a king. God is your king. No, 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 no. We want a king like everybody else. We want a natural king, a king in the flesh that we can see, that we can serve. And, and Samuel says, look, if you get a king, he's going he's gonna to make slaves out of your wives and your children. He's going to oppress you. He's going to raise taxes on you. He's going to send your men to war. No, we want a king. We want a king. They're just chanting, chanting, chanting. So finally Samuel goes to God and says, look, they're asking for a king, and I don't know what to do. And God says, don't worry, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me as their king. And then he identifies, here, here's your king, King Saul. And so here we see in 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 12, and when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen, 
in whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. But watch what he says. Here we have a natural king that we can naturally see, obey, follow. And look what he says in verse 14. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue, uh, will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. So what are we seeing? Even though there was a natural voice, a natural man in place now, God is still looking for obedience to him. He's saying, look, I'm still in charge. You are my people. And if you are going to operate in the blessings that I have for you, then you need to operate within the boundaries that I have for you, even your king. A true leader is first a follower of God. A true leader is first a follower of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the greatest things that I've learned as a leader, as a pastor, that if I am going to properly lead God's people, I have to first follow him. I have to find myself adhering to his laws, adhering to his boundaries, staying within his boundaries, and then I can lead God's people in that. And you notice every king, as the king went, so did the nation. If you had a righteous king in place that followed God, that stayed within his boundaries, the nation was blessed because the nation remained in God's boundaries. But when you had a king that served himself, didn't follow God, was an unrighteous king that hated God, that didn't want anything to do with God, the nation ended up outside of the boundary and outside of the blessing. 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles. The cycle went on, and there were more evil kings than there were righteous kings. And every time the nation fell into the path of the king. Because the leader has a responsibility to first be a follower of God. Because his boundaries are what's important. Not the king's. A leader that only wants people to follow him and his ideas, his perception, his opinion is not a good leader at all. So we got to be a people that regardless of who is over us, We've got to choose, no, I'm going after my king's boundaries. God has established boundaries for me in his word. If I stay within those boundaries, meditate on his word, observe to do it day and night, don't go to the right hand, don't go to the left, my way will be prosperous. My way will be successful. My way will be blessed because I'm within the boundaries. Now go over to John, book of John in the New Testament. We've seen this before. In Jesus' life, because Jesus, we would all attest that he was a great leader. People followed him. Literally, he had disciples that followed him. He had crowds and multitudes that followed him. He was a great leader, but look at Jesus' life. Jesus' life was marked by boundaries. He lived 
a very limited life. Now, this is the kind of stuff we get made fun of for. This is the kind of stuff that people say, oh, you serve a God that's given you all kinds of rules and codes, and you don't get to do what you want to do. We're going to answer that question here in a minute. But Jesus' life was a very limited life. Look what he says, John chapter 5. And we're just going to kind of go on a tangent here in several chapters. First one is John chapter 5, verse 30. He says, I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. What's he saying? I don't do anything I want to do. I am living a life within marked boundaries. My life has a boundary here and a boundary there. And, and I don't go where I want to go. I don't say what I want to say. I don't talk to who I, don't, who I want to talk to. I don't hang out with who I want to hang out with. I don't do what I want to do. My life is dictated by the boundaries set forth by my Father in heaven. I can of myself do nothing. John chapter 6, the next chapter over. John chapter 6 and verse 38. He says, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. See, that's the first objection that people make is, why don't you ever just do what you want to do? Why do you always got to do what your God says? Why do you always got to obey the Bible? Just do what you want to do. Do your own will instead of always doing someone else's will. And Jesus says right here, I came down from heaven not to do my own will. The whole reason why I'm here is to do his will, his purpose. My life is marked by boundaries, and I am here to stay within those boundaries. John chapter 7, next chapter over, verse 16. Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. He who speaks of himself from himself seeks his own glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true and no unrighteousness is in him. He's saying, I'm considered righteous because I remain within the boundaries that my God has set in place. I remain righteous by remaining within the boundaries and I'm blessed by my Father in heaven because he has set forth. He's marked my territory. This is where I'm to remain. This is where I'm to stay. This is what I'm supposed to do. In John chapter 8, next chapter, John chapter 8, verse 38. I speak what I have seen with my Father, and you do what you have seen with your Father. Now, here's the interesting part. We think the opposite of obeying God and doing what we want to do is doing our own thing. We think that's freedom. We think it's freedom. I'm making my own choice. I'm doing what I want to do. I don't care about the boundary. If it says don't do that, I'm doing it anyways. I'm doing what I want to do. But look what God says. Look what Jesus says. He says, because I stay within my Father's boundary, because I do what God says, 
he's my father. Because I stay within the boundaries that God has set forth with me, that's who I'm giving myself to. But since you do the opposite, you're actually giving yourself to your father. He says, you're actually not just doing what you want to do. You're actually doing what someone else wants you to do. And you don't even realize it. You think you're doing what you want to do. You think you're obeying your will. And I'm free. I'm making my own choice. I made this decision. And he's saying, no, you're actually just in obedience to someone else. Disobedience to God is actually obedience to someone else. Go down a little bit further to verse 44. Now he gets real blunt here and he says, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Can't get much more clear than that. He says, look, this is actually what you've been doing. You think that you are making your own decision, doing what you want to do, but you're actually giving yourself over and you are giving yourself in obedience to the devil. Wow. That just changes everything. That whole lifestyle that we lived before we got saved, before we came to know Christ, we thought, man, I was just running around doing whatever I wanted to do and, and, and living however I wanted to live and talking however I wanted to talk and hanging out with whoever I wanted to hang out with. That was just me. You know, I was just out free as a bird, and now I'm living according to God's standard. But this is what Jesus says. He says, you're of the father of the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He says, the things that you're doing are what the devil wants you to do. That's actually what he's hoping you would do, wishing that you would do. Wow. Look at this over in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. When you get yourself outside of the boundary of God, when you, when you step outside of God's boundaries, you're actually stepping into the devil's boundaries. See, he's got walls. He's got limitations. He's got boundaries. And he says, if, he, he, he's saying, do it this way. Live this way. Talk this way. Be this kind of person. Stepping outside of God's boundaries is actually just stepping into the devil's boundaries. You're in his territory now. And so right here in Romans chapter 6, verse 16, he says, Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. Here's what he's saying. Whatever you obey becomes your boundary. 
whatever you obey, you become bound to. He said, look, if you obey God, then you, be, you become bound to his law, to his way, and his way is life. His way is spirit. His way is peace. His way produces great results in our lives because we're within the boundary, and inside the boundary is the blessing. But if you give yourself over into obedience to the devil, then you are now bound to his law, and his law always pays out in death. His law always pays out in separation from God. What you obey is what you become bound to. See, that's why he calls it slaves of righteousness. And that boggled my mind for a long time. How can you be a slave of righteousness? Slave means to be bound. Slave means to, 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 uh, to not have a choice. Slave be, means that you are stuck to a form and to a structure. But then I realized that even God has form and structure. Deliverance to God is not, here you go, you're free, you can do whatever you want. I mean, there's people making a doctrine out of that now. Saying, this grace is for everybody. And so, here you go, here's freedom, here's liberty, and no matter what you do, there's grace. In this same chapter, Romans chapter 6, Paul says, should we live in sin continue to sin so that grace may abound? He says, no, absolutely not. No. No, get outside of the boundaries of the enemy. Get inside of God's boundaries, and that's where the grace is because the grace will empower you to live that life. The, the grace empowers you to remain within the boundary. Jesus went to the cross, died for your sins, rose again so that you can now remain in the boundary. Here's the problem. When the law was established, God shows up, gives Ten Commandments, and all he was able to do with the Ten Commandments, the only thing the Ten Commandments did for mankind was create right and wrong. That's it. It identified, do not steal. Do not kill. Do not lie. But the Ten Commandments give nobody the ability to actually do that. There's no power in the Ten Commandments. It just identified if you lie, you're wrong. If you tell the truth, you're right. If you kill, you're wrong. If you keep that person alive and treat him right, then you're wrong. Then you're right. That's all it did was identify right, wrong. Good, evil. But then Jesus comes on the scene. And he says, I'm actually giving you power over sin. I'm giving you the ability to get inside of my father's boundary, enjoy the blessing, and remain in the boundary. We don't have to push the boundary anymore. We don't have to test the boundary and push those boundaries and, and try to see how close we can get before we fall into the thing. 
No, we have the grace, the ability, the power to remain within the boundary, stay as far away from the boundary as possible. That's what Paul said. He said, flee even the appearance of evil. If it looks wrong, don't do it. If it looks wrong, don't do it. I had a pastor that uh, he loves to drink root beer out of the glass bottles. It's just, and I'll tell you, soda out of glass bottles tastes better, period, than it does in plastic. That just, it just does. You get yourself a glass bottle Coke or glass bottle Pepsi or Dr. Pepper or root beer. But there was one time he was driving and had the bottle, and somebody saw him, and then church said, hey, I just want to bring this up. It looked like you were dry, drinking and driving the other day. Now, most of us would, you know, a lot of us would might get offended at that. Man, it's just a root beer. What's the problem? What's, what's your problem? But Paul says, flee even the appearance of evil. If it causes someone else to stumble, don't do it. So he said, I'll never do it again. He said, I enjoy them. I'll drink them at home. But obviously to cops, that doesn't look good. I don't know how they keep from pulling over people with that stuff. But just as, the, as a person in a position of leadership, don't want to be driving around. Because that was somebody he knew. But what if it was someone he didn't know but knew he was a pastor? Yeah, there's just... There's a boundary. He, said, he established a boundary and said, you know what? I'm getting as far away from the thing as possible. Because not only do I want to look like I'm drinking and driving, but if it creates even the question with people, then I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Why? Establish a boundary. We got to be people that live a life with limits. There's too many Christians that are asking, what's the limit? What's the boundary? So I can get right up to the edge without crossing it. That's, that's the attitude of a lot of Christians, and we can't have that attitude. The attitude should be, God, how can I please you? How can I live a life worthy of you? And if there's identifiable areas in my life that are on the fence or close to the boundary or even over the boundary, Reveal those things to me so I can get as far away from them as possible. Because all I want to do is bring glory to you. That's got to be our question. That's got to be our quest. That's got to be what we search for. That's got to be what we go for. We got to be a people that get in God's word, allow God's word to identify boundaries. And then say, God, I'm removing myself as far as far away from that thing as I can because my purpose and my destiny requires me to be in the blessing, and I don't want to even accidentally cross a boundary. See, when you're right on the boundary, if this is the boundary, you can get knocked into that thing. Someone could easily tempt you or able to cross you there. Eve shouldn't even have entertained the conversation. She should have realized you are out of place because you're trying to tell me what to do. My job is to have dominion and make sure you stay in your place. So we're not having this conversation. But she entertained it. What'd she do? She crept a little bit closer to the boundary. 
Then she looked at it because the Bible says that it looked like a fruit that was good for food, desirable to make one wise. So she crept a little bit closer to the boundary. Then she took of it, crept a little bit closer to the boundary. Anytime we find ourselves crossing and creeping closer to boundaries, it's because we're getting further away from the word. You can't get closer to the boundary and get closer to God's word. You can't. So the more and more we stay in God's word, the more and more we allow this to identify boundaries in our lives, the further away we get. The easier it is to get up on the boundary when the enemy tries to tempt us with that boundary and say no. Because look, Jesus, he came, up on, he came upon the same devil. And the devil tried the same thing with him. Cross the boundary. Command these, uh, these stones to turn to bread. Bow down before me, I give you all these kingdoms. Jump off of this cliff and angels will carry you. But what did Jesus say? I don't do anything on my own initiative. I don't do what I want to do. I only do the will of the Father. You're trying to tempt me with the boundary, but I'm going to God's word. Every time God, Jesus responded with the word, he identified, here's the boundary, and I'm not going near it. Every time. So we can take a lesson from Jesus. Take a lesson from Jesus that identifies if I get closer to his word, I get more clarity on boundaries. If there's boundaries in your life that you're not sure of, I'm not sure if I'm crossing one. I don't know if that is one. I don't know how far away I need to stay away from that. Get in his word and it will identify. It will bring clarity. It will bring understanding in that area. God's word touches it all. There's nothing in our lives today that God's word doesn't touch. It identifies those boundaries. Staying within the boundaries means we stay within God's blessing. Means we remain productive. We remain fruitful. Means that we're not chaotic. Our lives aren't a chaotic mess. We're able to fulfill our destiny and our purpose as God has planned for us. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. Father, I thank you that your spirit has gone forth this morning, bringing clarity to this word. I thank you that we'll begin to identify areas of boundaries, areas of limitations. We'll begin to mark those off in our life and say, God, we're not, we're not going there anymore. That's not going to be a habit of ours. That's not going to be something that we give ourselves to. That's not going to be something that we're marked by any longer. But your word has marked it off as not only a boundary to stay away from, but a blessing to stay in. Father, we want everything you have for us. We want everything that our purpose requires, every resource, everything that is necessary for us to be purposeful in the kingdom of God. But it's within your boundaries. So we won't be a people that push boundaries, test boundaries. We'll be people that identify those. And walk in your blessing. Walk in your purpose for our lives. We thank you so much for this tonight. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.